Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. Should play a game of guess the intro. It's very, it's definitely You're, Christmas. It's a very. Uh, uh, is it? Is it definitely Christmas? It sounds like it. It's very gay, as in happy gay. <laughs> Have you just offended all our all, <laughs> all our non-heterosexual listeners? You know, there's that that other other not not the gays and homosexual, but gays and the happy gay. Yeah, of course. Why is that even? Why is that even? Why is that even thing gay? Uh, does some, how does someone go? Oh. We'll, we'll, um, Kate is also happy. What's that about that? I don't know the history of the uh, meaning, yeah. no, or, or even the history of the word gay in terms of whether it means someone's sexual orientation or just being happy. Um, maybe some of our listeners could educate us because I don't know. You wonder where words come from, like yeah, quite often. Why you, now I'm wondering why where you, the word gay come from. Yeah, why is like why is fuck offensive or swearing? We all decided at one point ah. that it's a dodgy word. Um, I think I know this, as in like the word fuck, because I'm pretty sure I heard it quite recently. But now I've completely forgotten. I'm going to look up in a minute. But I'm, I'm currently in the moment, look in the moment, looking up the historical origin of the word gay. Uh, gay is a term that is primarily this is off Wikipedia. It primarily refers to a homosexual person or a trait of being homosexual. The term was originally used to mean carefree, cheerful, or cheerful. Class Norfolk, cheerful or bright and showy. That's showy, that, not snowy. That. That is a very, very good description of that uh, song you just introduced. History. Uh, it's uh, arrived in English during the 12th century from Old French gay, spelt G-A-I, and most likely deriving ultimately from a Germanic source, Germanic. In English, the word's primary meaning was joyful, careful, bright and showy, and the word was very commonly used with this meaning in speech and literature. For example, the optimistic 1890s are often still referred to as gay 90s. And the title of the 1938 French ballet, Goethe Parisien, um, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, uh, which became the 1941 Warner Brothers movie, The Gay Parisian. It also illustrates this connotation. Okay, interesting. And we're at a point in time now where I bet they couldn't name you couldn't name a movie that anymore without some fucking half wipe being offended by it and kicking off. You can't name a fucking programmer. Shut up and don't listen. We're a nutrition podcast, so we probably shouldn't even be talking about it. It's interesting sometimes, don't it? Yeah, it is interesting. Um, anyway, should we talk should should we, should, Yeah, maybe? we probably we probably should, mate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. We're going back to guess the intro, which you then offended all our homosexual, um, or not, sorry, not even homosexual, non-heterosexual people, um, our listeners, which, again, just wasn't intended, I'm sure. Let's not confuse okay, intent. <laughs> yeah, I know, really joking. Um, did, did you get what the song was or not? Do we need another, another, another go, another bash? I wouldn't even know what to start. I don't reckon you've even seen it. Oh, oh I've seen it. Oh, I've given away a clue. It's from a film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, is, it is a Christmas film, in my opinion. 
However, some people might say it's not. It's not Die Hard, is it? No, that is something we're going to bring yeah. up later, though, Johnny. Oh, ha, ha. I've had many, many a conversation about that recently, especially what a very, very, very passionate one with one Matthew Morgan. Um, but we'll bring that up in a moment. No, it's not Die Hard, although kind of similar concept in uh, in its. Is it a Christmas film or not? I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't even guess. It's an animation. Probably, I'm going to guess early mid nineties. Animation in mid nineties. We had Toy Story was early. Was it Toy Story early mid nineties? Okay, I'll, I'll give you another clue. It was a stop motion. You know where they like take stills of plasticine and mold them and take another still, move them. So obviously it oh. takes forever to do. But wasn't did did morph of a film? Uh, no, but I do see morph most days. Do you know they do new? They've done new morphs as oh, in like this year. Yeah, uh, Molly absolutely loves them. And they're good as well because the old morphs used to be like sixty seconds, whereas now they're like five minutes long. Oh, I have to look at that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like... I, I, I give up on the on the music. I have to tell you what um, it is. Okay, it's a Disney film. I believe probably Disney's first ever horror, which obviously where the controversy comes in, and whether it's a Christmas film. I don't know if I actually I've probably completely made that up. Actually. I might have made that up. Probably isn't the first ever horror. Never mind. I just I'd look through Disney Plus to see what was on there. Uh, it is on Disney Plus, I think. Oh, it definitely is because I've been watching it. No, okay. Um, it features the lead character Jack the Pumpkin King. I think I've seen it. Nightmare Before Christmas. Tim Burton. No. Oh. Yeah, I think I've seen it. I've seen it. I'm sure. Classic yeah, film. You, 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 must, you know what a film I now mean, though. Right now I've said it, right? Long, yeah. skinny, black, uh, yeah. suited man. Skeleton, I should say. Yeah. Like, black suited skeleton, white head, or little pumpkin, white head. Um, doesn't wear a hat, I don't think, that I can remember, other than a Christmas hat in the Christmas thing. I can't believe you've seen it. It is such an amazing film, although it is a musical, and I don't imagine it's the sort of thing that you might enjoy musicals, Johnny. You would be correct. I don't. <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I don't really. I don't mind going to like when I've been at Disneyland. That's a guy. I'm not Disney World, Disneyland in Paris. Not the proper one. In Gay Paris, I do like the parades and the, the 4D cinema and all. I do like. I do. I don't mind it because you're in the you're in that environment. You know, I wouldn't. I would never. I probably go to London and watch a movie go just to say I watched one, but as in like movie goes on films, no chance. Okay. Well, I don't really like musicals either, really. Um, as in, like, proper musicals. Like, something like Les Miserables or what's uh, The Greatest Showman. People are on about that. They make me they make me go, oh, no, no, thank you. Um, but you could probably argue that almost every Disney film is a movie, uh, is a musical. Like Lion King, Pocahontas, uh, Beauty, and the Beauty and the Beast, Frozen. They're all really musicals, aren't they? Let's be honest. Little Mermaid. So, Little Mermaid. Yeah. So um, and I, I do like and I do like all of those. I think I've watched Booty and the Beast about forty times in the last month or two. Yeah, this is interesting with kids. Obviously, our or not our age, kids that of our kids' age. So the three, four-year-olds, they will watch the same thing consistently over and over again, won't they? She started crying when the beast turns into a man. All oh, right, dead. she doesn't want that to happen. Right. She's got to have to, have to wind the back end. She's back a beast. Oh. It's the start of the film now. 
as you watch all again and then cry again and then go back to watch the start yeah summer's been uh, watching Hocus Pocus every day probably since Halloween it's a long time yeah yeah well I just mean even the film Hocus Pocus is a bit of an odd one but she really likes it it's strangely liking it yeah yeah well my one year old likes Nightmare Before Christmas like she'll dance to the Halloween song at the start this is Halloween this is Halloween Halloween That's got, and to be honest though right, my one year old ch- and my three year old should not be watching it because if you watch it it's actually quite gruesome and probably aimed at adults um, they're probably going to go to bed now or the, so, sorry they now they've been watching it they probably go to bed every night scared shitless because of there's monsters and stuff everywhere because of the stuff they see on, on that film <laughs> honestly it's, it's actually quite gory and gruesome and some of the characters are actually quite scary for or you could imagine they would be for a child anyway so mm. <laughs> but I do like it it's good anyway um, I don't know why I did that really the intro I thought it would be interesting to have a little little game guess the intro but also it is quite Christmassy I thought it was Christmas film yeah really yeah well I suppose it is really well, yeah well the concept is obviously Jack the Pumpkin King is the king of Halloween Halloween land and he gets bored of Halloween goes wanders in the woods and finds some magical trees that take him to different holidays like Easter and fucking knows I don't know Thanksgiving or whatever holidays there are and uh, he falls into Christmas land and he's like, what's this? What's this? And he loves Christmas. He's like, this is exciting. It's amazing. Like this, I've never, wh- wh- who are these little elves and what these red men, what's this red man doing? And, you know, they give gifts. So he tries to steal it and bring it back to Halloween land and tell all the monsters about what's going on. And they butcher it because they don't understand the, obviously the gift of Christmas. Um, and they end up giving away like, I don't know, monsters in boxes and like gruesome presents. And obviously it kind of ruins Christmas. So um, yeah, very good story though. like it. Um, weird, weird as hell as you can imagine from any type of Tim Burton film but hope the listeners uh, that are listening enjoyed that little side tangent wasn't planned <laughs> um, Johnny so we said last week that uh, during the Christmas gift or fitness the gift for fitness enthusiasts <laughs> Jesus Christ fitness enthusiasts episode that we were not going to do a surviving Christmas episode however we're now going to do a surviving Christmas episode yeah, but not in, the, not in the stupid way it's normally done. No, with a bit of a twist. So we're going to talk about our own personal approach to surviving Christmas. So not as necessarily the wholesome message of how we would speak to our clients and what recommendations we put out there to people wanting to survive Christmas. It's more basically about what are we going to do personally. So let's start with you, Johnny Boy. What are you planning on um, doing? Any context you like, if anything you think might be interesting to listeners in terms of why you might do said strategy or whatever. Like, I'm just going to drink some 7-Up. Even though people, if, if someone's a regular listener, we've got a few regular listeners, haven't we? People would know that I'm getting married in May. So I'm flying out on the 5th of May. So that gives me what? I don't know. I'm looking, I'm trying to look at the calendar here. No one. Five and a half months. Go with that. Yeah. What was that? 20 weeks. 20, say 20 weeks, right, whatever. So obviously I've got a I've got a rough goal in mind because I know I've been there before, and I said before I'm hoping to be a bit heavier. So like I've got <clears throat> as of now I got about thirty five pound left to lose. So I've dropped from 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 low weight to high weight, not taking it not average. Um, I've dropped seventeen and a half eighteen pounds. So got £35-ish to go, and I know then I'm roughly in the ballpark, and that works out as just under £2 a week. So 
also <clears throat> that is obviously going to dictate my strategy around Christmas. And that, for people listening, if you've got a time-sensitive goal in mind, like you've got to be, obviously, if you're if you're in in sport which requires a weight limit, then tough shit. You go, you just got to do it in Christmas because that's your professional and that's what you're going to do. But for people who've got like, oh, I've got a wedding in January, whatever February, I I'm going all day in this date, blah blah blah. It's a hard fixed date. Unless COVID fucks it up, of course. But generally speaking, is a is a fixed date. So then that you can't move it. So then that dictates then what you should do during Christmas. So I'm not of the opinion that because a lot of people will go right to December the first. Let's buy a box of roses and eat like a wanker for the next four weeks. It's like right, yeah, you do that. I'm not going to say if you're a client, I'd say. Sorry, fucking head, you're not doing that. You shouldn't do that. But if you do want to do that, on your head be it, and don't complain and moan when you're a stone and a half area in January, and you've, and you've set yourself back that much. It's up to you. You know, if you're an adult, then you do what you like. But for me, obviously, my goal is time sensitive, and I there's obviously going to be professional photos then. So. Hopefully, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, obviously. And it's abroad, on a beach. So clearly, there's not going to be a lot of clothes being worn very often. <clears throat> so I want to look as good as possible for that. So that means I'm going to lose another 35-ish pound. You know, maybe 40, who knows. <clears throat> so for me, Christmas is going to be in my calories now between 2 and 2-2. Two, two. That's the goal. Sometimes it under, sometimes it over, but generally speaking, across the week, it averages out to that. So Christmas is, well, say, obviously Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day. And you've got, obviously, the in-between bit where people tend to get a bit lost and go, mm, yeah, there's loads of food left, let's just eat without, without worry as such. So I won't be doing that. I'll be probably doing Christmas Day as not worrying about it, but being aware that you can gain quite a lot of water weight in a day, plus, you know, the food volume, extra carbs, extra salt, you can gain a good couple of pounds overnight. So probably just one in way the day or two after Christmas. On a boxing day, we normally go down uh, father's house, COVID dependent, because obviously we're going to lockdown on 24, so I didn't even know if that's even going to be a thing or possible. There's normally another dinner there. So that's, she does quite a lot of it, so it's going to be quite heavy. But for me, when I eat a heavy dinner, I won't eat for hours and hours and hours and hours after. So for me, like on a boxing day, <clears throat> if I could have a small breakfast and have that in a day, I'd be probably all right for the day. So overall, the calories wouldn't be too bad. So Christmas Day, I'm not going to worry about it. Boxing Day, I'll be conscious of it. Christmas Eve is just another day, really. It's just in the night you've got to wrap presents or whatever you've got to do. And in between, and after that, then, nothing really means anything to me after that. Christmas and not Christmas. New Year's Eve, New Year's Day is irrelevant. I'm working Christmas Eve day and I'm working Christmas Eve. New Year's Eve day and I'm working New Year's Day night. So I'll just be as normal. So for me, obviously there's there's a few bits in the house. So I will track um, a biscuit or two, but if I can help it, I won't have any for as long as possible. 
because it's surprising even like two or three little roses add up quite quick when you're on two two i know two two might sound a lot sound like a lot of carries to some people but it's not really um and i'm probably gonna obviously depending on weather and whether the gym's open or not which they may not be so i can work around that um i keep my steps up as much as possible and do as much cardio as possible outside during this time obviously to offset any especially christmas day box day in between to offset any excess calories not that you should get into this as a rule during your dieting phase but i want to ramp up cardio anyway as we go along so i'll just use that time as the start of the ramp up of the cardio up until may so for me the plan is to be as normal for most of it eat what i want within reason christmas day um because i don't understand if if i say this if someone says to me oh, what are you doing i'm gonna do this christmas day oh why don't you just have what you want and just eat like a pig you say well because yeah i can eat like that but why does it matter to you what i do don't project your shit over to me which i find happens a lot with people especially if you're you've got certain goals you can still enjoy christmas without feed without eating like a four-year-old i don't care if you do you do what you like but don't tell me not to do what i do if you know what i mean i find that happens a lot especially people post online oh i'm doing this over christmas it's up to if someone's enjoying themselves and they were their family because of shit what they do who cares if they have a dinner who cares you know it doesn't matter does it but for me it'll be just be the two days well the one day really will have quite a lot as normal christmas day but apart from that the intention is to keep everything as is increase cardio as much as possible and not be a pig really i'm not saying if you want to be a pig you can be a pig if you want i don't care it doesn't bother me if you're if you were a client of mine i'd say depending on what, obviously what your goals are, we could put things in place so you could eat more around certain days. But like I say, Christmas is not a month long. Christmas is a couple of days. In between Christmas is is nothing really because people are still not in work and people just tend to pick at things because it's there. You know what I mean? So yeah. if you want to eat a bigger pig, eat like a pig. But just bear in mind what's going to happen in January. If you're psychologically stable enough diet wise and you've got a good relationship with food <clears throat> generally speaking you eat well throughout the year you don't focus on food too much when you're well i suppose you will focus on when you diet in a bit but you've got a good relationship with food then you can if you want pig out for a few days maybe a week as long as you understand what's going to happen after it you're going to put yourself back probably a stone in weight I know it's not, I'm not saying it's all fat, but once you psychologically sound to that, then crack on. But if you're one of these people who is a yo-yo dieter, who just can use it's just an excuse for Christmas just to eat like an absolute animal for two to three weeks, and you're going to start again in January, just like we said you started again last Monday, the Monday before that, you really shouldn't do it because you are going to be one of these people who's going to be whining and complaining in January why you're 14, 16, 20 pounds heavier because you've eaten like a dickhead for three weeks. So if that's you, behave yourself 
and treat Christmas like it should be treated like a couple of days, not three weeks. I know it's quite long-winded, but hopefully... No, no it's not long-winded. Um, I think it's obviously clear that you're going to have one basically day of little restriction, but sounds like you're still going to have relatively, and probably that's quite a specific word, relatively um, mindful in terms of what you eat. But I guess mindful is probably not going to be like true mindful eating it's just going to be not going stupid crazy um potentially on that but the, the rest of the time it's pretty much bau sounds like it business as usual and that you're just still going to continue to stick to your diet and if anything you're going to start to put together a few protocols that actually help with some of the energy output to balance the other side off a little bit which in itself like you say i think is something that people should be careful about when they directly attribute kind of any type of exercise to a specific um not calorie burn but like a specific uh erasure of certain like consumption so basically if you're attributing i've eaten a mince pie so therefore i must do x exercise that's obviously not a particularly healthy mindset to have however trying to be like oh i've eaten a lot today might go for a walk just to kind of help you know offset it a little bit that's a different mindset it's a you know there's similar concepts but absolutely there's a stark contrast and difference in terms of how you think about that um and often with like a lot of stuff in fitness and nutrition i think the that that thin line between good and bad is like very thin oh yeah 100%. so yeah and i think it's worthwhile people obviously considering that but yeah it sounds like obviously one day out for you and then just kind of back on it BAU, especially because i guess it sounds like a lot of those other days to you as well aren't really particularly special in terms of you don't but it sounds like you don't do a lot of christmas eve obviously not going to be celebrating much for like most of us probably really new year's eve and um new year's day and stuff and obviously you don't drink so that then obviously accounts for potentially uh calorie consumptions that you're not going to be having for the drink but also the after effects of low inhibitions and the hangover foods and that type of stuff as well like for me I grew up Christmas. I think you get into the thing of like, <clears throat> if you can just stick to like having, say the say the cabbage roses around the meal, like you have the meal. If you have a, whatever, whatever people do, starters, mains, dessert, and have the sweets in that area. For me, it's easier than <clears throat> picking throughout the day. I find if I pick a little bit, I end up picking a lot. If I keep it in one meal as such I find it right there we are I've had my whatever I can move on now and, and when the next meal comes and I can add a couple more in I think it's I think for me it saves me a few calories rather than just picking throughout the day do you just go like you are you can do three you do our ten it's easy to do our ten times a day thirty sweets it's not a problem is it really and you're in the mega calories for, for nothing if you want people five in a meal on top of what you just eat you're really bloated because it's full because it's a lot of fiber a lot of volume you know, a lot of protein generally as well, as you feel overly full as well, didn't you? So I think if you can add a couple of sweets in there and <clears throat> you can feel overly full, that can sustain you for a good five, six hours before you go and have another, if you have another meal, I think it's better off, for me, personally speaking, it's better off having solid meals where you add in stuff, like a couple of sweets or whatever, rather than having just picking throughout the whole day and having a big dinner or whatever, and having a big freaking whatever dinner night. If you put them in, in with the meals, it's easier to deal with, I think, and easier to track. Not that I say I might not track Christmas Day, but, you know, I'll have a good track in my head. You know what I mean? I know roughly where I'm going.
don't make sense. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, I just want to re- 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 revisit something that you did say around um, if people want to eat like a pig and I suppose spend several days or weeks overfeeding that they have to put up the consequences. I suppose it did remind me of some a study that I read reasonably recently. Um, BT Ott uh, et al. 2018. Beat or BT, B-E-A-T, uh, which is basically a short-term overfeeding study, which they did use dairy cream as overfeeding. So quite specific in, I suppose, like macronutrient contents as it being uh, a target as a high-fat diet. And they weren't looking for, for kind of weight gain or anything. They're actually looking to test whether... Um, like high fat diets being linked to low grade inflammation and insulin resistance and they want to know whether acute overfeeding of a high fat diet would affect the insulin sensitivity gut barrier function and fecal 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 microbiota so basically gut um, bacteria um, and poo bacteria um, but the one of the data points did point out that in these people that were fed a thousand calories extra per day as whipping cream um, above their basically their maintenance energy expenditure for seven days, the average weight gain was 0.6 kilograms. Not bad. Over a week. Which So this does lend itself to some other studies where actually in short-term overfeeding studies, you're not likely of actually putting on much body fat. Mm. Um, even less so if it's quite high carbohydrate because carbohydrates are notoriously difficult to store as body fat purely because the mechanisms has to go in de novo lipogenesis to basically take a carbohydrate molecule and turn it into adipose is very energy inefficient so therefore loses quite a lot of energy in the process but also your body will not prioritize to do that and it'll prioritize lots of other functions first in terms of trying to get rid of the energy because it basically doesn't particularly like storing carbs as fat so the whole the, the kind of take home on that is that this is another study to add to the kind of the evidence base around like the short term overfeeding stuff is actually doesn't really mean that people tend to put on and I guess I guess there was a standard deviation in that, that that study and obviously that was the average across the board so people will be different into individual but generally people don't actually put on that much weight in short term so if it is just a week you're probably not going to really see that much like actual body fat gain you might see a bit of weight gain because of things like water retention and, and that type of stuff more food in the gut fiber you know things johnny's even just mentioned just then but i wouldn't worry too much about eating like a fucking asshole for a week because the likelihood is you're probably not going to do a huge amount of uh of damage so to say for want of a better phrase so no, uh, obviously sorry to go mate if i will add on just obviously if you start going into two weeks, three weeks, a whole month, which often is the problem with Christmas time because people start at the start of December and end in the first week in January when they then go back to work. So it ends up kind of a month-long binge. That is obviously a different prospect than us talking about a week of kind of feeding between Christmas Eve and New Year's Day, say. Yeah. And I think as well, if, if someone's if someone's been dieting, they've been dieting relatively hard, obviously depending on their diet setup, let's say they're very low carbs or keto, then they're going to be glycogen depleted. And if, let's just say, they may not have zero stores, but let's say they are close to zero, they've got, what, the potential of, what we saw, 800 grams-ish, 800 grams of carbs of glycogen-ish, something like that, so what's that? 3,000 3, calories, is it? So you have got that buffer of where you just refill in all that glycogen stores. I mean, 3,000 calories. Like in that study, would be three days, wouldn't it? So you'd essentially be three days refilling, not with fact, but obviously if you look at those carbs, you'd have three days of refilling glycogen. And depending on your 
body composition, you would probably look pretty decent after the after the three or four days of all feeding carbs if you were pretty lean. I mean, but if you were if you are pretty chunky, you're just going to look more bloated, and you won't be glad to bleed it anyway. I would imagine more bloated, more watery. I think I think that the, a lot of the problem sometimes, and like this is kind of anecdotal, and I don't know how much real science there is behind this or, or evidence either, but I tend to find that people that have previously been overweight and potentially therefore, <coughs> um, excuse me, ha- have kind of more total um, fat cells than than someone that's never been overweight. Because I guess obviously you can you, when when you basically become obese or overweight you can multiply your fat stores but there is obviously some hypothesis that they don't ever tend to go away or if they do go away they take a long long time like multiple years or decades for the basic fat cells to die off so you kind of forever have these fat cells even though the the adipose or the um fatty acids held in those cells you know they might disappear when you lose weight they might then fill up a lot easier i and like anecdotally i think that people that have historically been overweight tend to hold on to water a lot worse than other people that have never been overweight or historically are just leaner individuals generally. And I think, and I don't know if that is aligned to just the fact that they hold more fat cells to basically hold some of the water, um, which obviously people might say water, fat cells, what? But that is kind of, again, a hypothesis of that fat cells can fill with water around when, when, when I suppose like actual body fat is lost. Um, and he- anecdotally, it kind of, I see it happen sometimes, I think with people. I think that idea is that all. Oh, sorry, mate. Before I just kind of stopped talking again, but the reason I kind of brought to bring that up is again, I think like if you have been pretty overweight and you've gone through a long dieting period, and obviously uh, you're feeling good about yourself and stuff, and then you have a week of overfeeding, you might then see a more drastic change in your what or kind of what looks like your body composition because of water retention stuff than someone that hasn't been previously overweight. And again, I think I noticed that a lot. The whole example I've used before was a prime example where you diet, look fantastic, and you feel like the second you get off the plane at the other end on holiday, you've ruined all your progress. And that's usually because you've had a high-carbohydrate, high-salt meal in the airport before you go. Mm. I can, I, I would, I, I think I can back it up because I'm, I can fluctuate a lot in scale weight and water retention. I mean, like, I think last Christmas I didn't, it was just as normal, I didn't, Obviously, I suppose you do kick the ass of it compared to what you're doing. It was like twelve pound in a day, overnight. It's like, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, I had enough. I had a rough idea in my head what I ate. There's about five thousand, six thousand calories. So it's quite, a, it's quite a lot, but it's not twelve pounds worth of water retention, or full volume, or fiber, and all that stuff. So I do. I like if I go, if I go away and eat. Higher salt and higher carb. I'm not, I'm not talking high carb and high salt. I mean higher than normal. I'll fluctuate four pound, five pound overnight. That's quite normal for me. But what, what I tend to find is I'll <clears throat> say I'll go away on a Monday, come back, stay on Monday night, come back on a Tuesday, say I've gained four pound. That might stay for a day or two and then it'll drop off again. It doesn't go, I'll drop four pound, it comes straight off. It takes a couple of days to drop and then it'll, then I go back to normal. So I'm, I'm with you on that one yeah and I, I think i guess it's one of those things just for people to consider um again if they overeat and they feel drastically that their physique has changed give forgive yourself because it's unlikely it's going to be that much body fat and it might actually just be kind of more acute water related um or like transient water rather than you actually put on any body fat because it can be and obviously that can play absolutely 
mental gymnastics with your with your brain in your the way you feel about yourself and your kind of your own um opinion of your body and stuff like that it can be a nightmare for people for dieters that have kind of already got potential um emotional issues with their body composition and stuff to to kind of deal with and manage over a festive period and it just adds more stress in a period that's supposed to be a good time and a happy time for people i think when i think if someone's really really lean then the of this period tends to benefit them and how they look i think and i lean i mean single digit lean very lean yeah well i think i think being lean most most lean individuals uh can certainly deal with increased things like carbohydrates and potentially sodium than people that aren't because they generally get fuller muscles and they look better um whereas obviously like larger individuals that hold more body fat um they don't you know the the drastic improvements in in muscle fullness and that type of stuff don't seem to show as well because i guess you're just covered in a higher layer or amount of body fat so like I said, any nutrition, it, it, it depends, isn't it? it? depends on certain circumstances. Mm. Like this time for someone who's a bit chubby and eats. So yeah, say that someone was, they were both the same, same, same size, same weight, but someone was 20%, someone was 8% body fat. The way their body will handle a week's worth of shit will, will be totally different. Well, the one who's 8% would probably look well immediately you've got more muscle mass or battery tanks almost to hold carbohydrates in compared to someone that hasn't obviously at a higher body fat percentage so that immediately makes a big difference <coughs> excuse me and obviously individual because everyone's individual and none of these none of these things always apply to everybody at any one time it could be this strategy only works for this person but this person needs a different Oh, this person looks different than that person. It's just, it's all individual, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so, Johnny, it's nice of you to ask, how am I going to take it? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, this is how I'm going to take Christmas. How am I going to take I'll be honest, so for, for context, I am very much at the moment in a non-dieting phase. And I use that term again quite purposely in terms of non-diet because um, I... I'm looking at my kind of current position and my longer term strategy being more of focusing on not being a diet than being in a massing phase. Now, you might argue, what's the difference? Johnny, you're supposed to say, but what's the difference, Brett? What is the difference, Brett? <laughs> huh, I'm glad you asked. Uh, no, it's, it's, more, it's just more the fact that I, over time, have started to believe more and more that the time you spend not dieting is more important than the time you spend in the surplus. Um, so that could be include either maintenance phases or slower surplus um, or slower gaining rates, which means that you obviously have a longer time gaining or longer time not being in a diet than you would someone that has much faster and more aggressive gains, but then has to diet for longer periods because obviously they've accumulated more body fat and has to take more off. Now, I think that kind of up and down nature of dieting, gaining, dieting, gaining has a like a worse longer term effect than someone that takes things a bit slower and has kind of more time out of a deficit because basically the way the easiest way i'd probably anecdotally again describe this is that when you're in a deficit things like mostly anabolic signals are blunted so things like muscle protein synthesis is is blunted so you don't get as, as high a synthetic rate or fractional synthetic rate as uh, as someone that's not in a diet so if you eat protein say or you weight train the kind of positive aspects of of uh, muscle protein synthesis aren't as well pronounced as someone that isn't in a dieting phase you then but it's not like 
if you're in a surplus, it's it's that kind of proportion again. I don't know if I explained that very well. So I can't really obviously kind of put numbers on it. But I think basically the detriment to being in a diet is far higher than the positive to being in a surplus. <clears throat> so if you spend six months dieting, six months in a surplus, the net result is worse than someone that maybe t- spent three months dieting, six months maintenance, three months surplus, if that makes sense. Yeah, because you've so, spent because you've spent nine months out of a diet and three months in a diet compared to six months in a diet, six months not in a diet. And I think that's that. I think in the longer term, you get better results in the just the shorter time dieting, regardless. Even though you're in a less aggressive surplus, um, for the reasons I kind of said. So that's basically where I'm kind of trying to align my strategy with, and that I'm just looking at spending a long, a, a lot longer time not dieting. Um, and obviously, to to do that, you do have to have a slower gaining rate. So, or, or you have to have a, a far, far more aggressive dieting rate to, to obviously account for it, which is obviously a lot harder, more risk of muscle loss and stuff for a diet because obviously the the fact that it's so aggressive, um, less energy levels to train, all those types of things. So I just think it's like a slower gaining rate for most people is, is probably a more positive way to go. Anyway, I digress slightly, but sorry, you're going to have a question. People overestimate how much muscle they can gain. Like, like your example of, of, of six months diet and six months gaining, you're not going to gain much in six months, especially if you're being trained in years. You're talking a pound or two, maybe. And yeah. it's like, is that really enough? Like, if you're if you're if you're dieting, gaining, more likely you've got some sort of physique. Well, if you're gaining a pound in a in a bulk in six months, is it really worth it? What? Why not take it longer? Spend maybe, you know. A couple of years doing it, not talking about dirty bulking, like three years in a row, because you're gonna look shit. But slowly gain. Like I think the the perfect scenario, probably for someone who starts training, is to is to try and avoid the the cut and bulk scenario from the get go and start at say someone starts at ten stone, skinny, skinny fat, and try and use your newbie gains to recomp as much as possible, and then. Being a slight slurpus for a long time to gain as much mass as possible without adding unnecessary fat. Yeah, but I, I will say that I think that's also quite prominent as well. Unnecessary. I do think there will be a necessary time of where you have to push weight up and push body weight up to maximise muscle gains. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that comes at the far, like later end of a a bulk. I think a lot of people just get into the dreamer bulk mentality and just go way too fast. But anyway, we do digress a little bit, but I think it's useful. Um, certainly for the context of of kind of why I'm my approach now. So because of that and the fact that I'm obviously not in a dieting phase, I've got more kind of general calories or kind of my energy intake generally higher than maybe, like certainly yours is, obviously because of your in a dieting phase. Um, so that gives me a little bit more room to play with, but also my mentality around it is obviously far more relaxed. So for me, like in terms of dealing with Christmas, um, I'm probably going to do... So leading up to Christmas is just going to be my usual routine in terms of just kind of slowly gaining, which is what I'm doing at the moment in terms of where my the kind of like pro, uh, projection, yeah, projection is going in my weight. Um, come Christmas Eve is probably going to be the day that I start to celebrate in air quotes, um, just because I tend to do stuff like family and it's Christmas festive, kids and all stuff. There'll be party food and those types of things. Now I will very much take the mentality, which is what I usually usually recommend to clients i know we said this isn't going to be a uh oh you know surviving christmas type episode or recommend to clients but 
my mentality will, will probably still align quite similarly anyway in terms of what I do but it will just be very much a, a kind of quite a mindful approach but there will be zero restriction in the same way like I do on holidays so and I and I know I preempt that I will overeat considerably on all those days and when I say considerably I mean by like several thousand calories per day it's not going to be a uh, oh you know he's overeating he had an extra mince pie no that's I mean I will I will eat a lot of food um, and a part of me is like that's because i i kind of enjoy those moments um which is weird because obviously when you say out loud it kind of makes you think have you got an eating disorder like you're you're almost justifying binging and i suppose there is an element of that i question that in my head sometimes but the reason i don't think it is because it is absolutely fully controlled and there will still be an element of this kind of like mindfulness of I consider the food, will it, like, eating the food, what will it do to me in terms of will it make me happier? Will I be happy? Like, how will I feel after I've eaten the food? Um, So I think that's really important in terms of, because this idea of, like, intuitive eating or mindful eating and let me tell clients to be mindful, it's a bit like, how do you, yeah, but how do you do that? Like, you can't just be, just tell someone to be mindful. I think you really have to kind of think, I mean, there's loads of things you need to think of, like, are you hungry? Do you recognise hunger properly? Like, biological hunger, not even necessarily, like, hedonic eating, where you just crave fucking mince pies. <clears throat> but you need to obviously think about, like, what are the types of food you want to eat? Um, like, do it slowly, pause through your meals. Like, you know, again, it seems like quite a, a really vague tactic, but actually just, like, knife and fork, put it down mid, mid-bite. mid You know, have a bite of food, put it down. And that obviously, it just slows down your time of eating. Um, and really think about society, satiety levels or like even through the meal as well and I think all that stuff's really important I will do all of that through Christmas but obviously I will still be picking a lot of foods that will stimulate things like the reward systems and you know I'll get cravings and I won't restrict myself I'll allow myself to eat what I want which generally leads to me in you know four or five thousand calories probably so I mean certainly on Christmas day Christmas Eve will probably end up being that albeit Christmas Eve I'll likely treat the daytime as a normal day as in i'll probably and in fact when i say normal day like a normal day is if i knew i was overeating at any point during a day i'd probably eat lighter during the during like the rest of the period to make up for it so christmas eve will probably very much be a lighter day evening will then kind of be into the festivities um yeah and christmas day like i said i'll just do my usual thing really just of uh like smallish breakfast usually bacon roll or something like that big christmas lunch and obviously snacking throughout and then a buffet style picky tea which will inevitably result in a lot of different desserts that i like to try so still conscious of how much you're eating like you i, I use all the thing in your head i know that's probably x calories i know at the end i'm probably on this many calories a day without, <coughs> without tracking no in your head naturally no i i i no i think the only the only so though i won't be conscious of calorie content i'll probably more be conscious of that mindfulness i talked about in terms of thinking to myself like serving dessert say of something i will be thoughtful about how much i actually want and instead of just slopping loads on so like if someone's serving themselves up some christmas pudding say you some people might just go right bang 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 massive bowl full or whatever <coughs> excuse me i might instead thinking do i really want this or would i be happy with half that portion and i might then decide actually i'm happy with half that portion i won't really then equate or or kind of then really be conscious of how many calories is in that bowl because that won't bother me because i know for well i'll eat whatever i want today and obviously the actual calorie content has no bearing on what decision making i make in terms of how much i then eat but what does make a bearing on how much i'll eat will be how much do i really want am i being mindful about it will how will i feel after eating it will i feel sick will i feel guilty 
um, will I or will I enjoy it and will I be glad I ate it and they're the sorts of things that I try to think about and, how, and the sort of things I try to promote to clients like they get full autonomy and full permission to eat whatever the hell they like in these periods and in these types of days but I do ask them to make sure that they consider like not the consequences of weight gain but the consequences of how is it going to make you feel and like what is it you really want what is your actual outcome what you're trying to get from eating those foods that type of thing and if they can justify it then crack on that you know you do have full permission to have whatever you want because the point where like, I've had it before you're just eating so much you just feel like shit it's so bloat like this yeah. is not comfortable at all and you could have gone well actually I could have had half that and half that and still been just as happy yeah I feel just as happy and probably not not felt as bad no and that, and, and that's and, and, and that's the thing is like oh, what I want what I'm trying to get people to avoid really in the end outcome is to not continue to eat just because the shit is there i don't want people to eat mindlessly i don't want people to continue to eat because of the occasion because it's christmas that is not the reason to have these foods and that's essentially what the, the all of these kind of steps in terms of like hunger and thinking about it and doing it slowly and and kind of thinking about past experiences and how your body might feel and how you might feel about it and your emotions with it and all that type of stuff that's all purely just to basically get to a point of not eating for the sake of eating it that's basically what it's all trying to achieve because because there is no restriction as what people should how much someone should eat and shouldn't eat because i've not determined that i just don't want people to get to a point where they're consuming it needlessly and that happens a lot especially if you've got like you've got picky stuff like biscuits and roses and whatever else cheese and it's just on, on the kitchen table you walk in the kitchen just just take it without even yeah. thinking and then someone went to you or you know you've done that 10 times a day ah no i haven't it's only two or three because it's just mindless picking rather than going actually I'll go in there now, I'm a little bit hungry, so I'll have a little bit of this, this and this, and then go back in there and ask yourself, am I really hungry, or am I bored, or I'm just going up there just to pick it because it's there, rather than going, oh, actually, I'll, I'll make a, not a meal out of this, not a meal, is it, but take a plate, have this, right, I'm happy with that, go back in and then leave it, rather than picking 20 times yeah. of that- things you're in there. And and that happens like not just at Christmas, holidays, birthdays, like holidays especially. The amount of people that goes in goes on holiday and then turn into holiday mode. And again, they just get into this idea, they get caught up in the moment of eating because it's there, eating because they're at a buffet restaurant and they can. Um I, I'll be honest, I thought we could even do we could have even probably done a podcast on this, but it's also a reason why none of my clients, literally zero of my clients, have dieted through December. Because that then sets people up, like we talked about in the podcast before, for far better mentality where they're able to do all of these things that I've talked about and they're not completely over, over um, overcome, I suppose, by hormonal and emotional stuff that's happened because they've dieted up until Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Yeah, because it takes, especially if you start, like go to Mink, at the end of November, it gives, it gives everything, time your hunger hormones, all that stuff to upregulate a bit more than they would have because obviously if you've been dying for months you have one day at high calories nothing's changed in a day nothing but across a few weeks you will start to see you know better control of hunger not so much food focus and which is a good time to be in then during the Christmas isn't it so it makes sense and plus when you've gone from you know say hardish diet to maintenance it's, it's, it's quite a significant amount of calories difference so it does give you that extra room as well yeah that that going to be died in into there and going oh my god i got two thousand calories i know this dinner and a cake is going to be that 
Yeah, you know? I, I also think it aligns into the things we talked around in terms of drastic body composition changes in short periods of time because of transient water stuff. Um, I don't know, a better phrase than transient water stuff. Um, like transient water movement or retention. Um, because when they're not suddenly going from consuming fuck all food and calories and low carbohydrates and low sodium to all of a sudden from one day to the next going into bulk mode, all the carbs, all the salt. And then suddenly seeing this hugely drastic change because the body's going, what the fuck just happened? Because they've actually had this like moderate period in between of all of the, you know, several weeks now where they've got higher food, they've had higher calories and uh, sorry, higher carbohydrate intakes and higher sodium intakes. So their body's more adjusted and used to it. So on the Christmas day when they inevitably overeat, they don't see quite the drastic changes that they would have done if they'd been dieting the entire time. So that's another reason to do it. Because they then suddenly don't get these emotional swings and emotional back and forth of, oh, I felt, I, you know, I've been dieting, I've been feeling really good and feeling really good about my body composition up until Christmas Day. And then the next day I'm suddenly feeling bloated and I've put on 17 pounds overnight. It's like, well, okay. But Yeah, it's a good piece of psychology. I think, and I find quite a lot of people as well, especially if they relatively newish diet and training they just don't train at all which just exasperates the whole issue of eating loads as well as not doing anything like for me people say oh it's sad if I go train Christmas Day I train Christmas Day I, because... I, I will be I had this conversation I probably will be training Christmas Day because obviously I've got a home gym but I for me that kind of gives me the endorphins and part of, I, I enjoy it it doesn't take away from my day it's like a net positive for me because it doesn't actually take anything negative away from my day because like I'll do it while my either kids are sleeping and the wife's getting ready and that type of stuff. So I'm not inconveniencing them. Um, it'll only be like a 30 minute, 45 minute party pump type workout. But I generally do it because it makes you feel good. You know, I get the endorphins running, the exercise makes you feel good. And um, I just feel set up for a good day of getting involved in the celebrations. Yeah, I train because I, I like to train. I enjoy training. It's like on holidays. I like to train on holidays. You think, oh, it's sad training on holidays. No, well, no, it's not. It's sad to me. It's sad getting shit faced every night and all day. That's what you like to do. You crack on with that. I like to train. I'll do that. And that's the thing in there. People, it's like we've talked about before on the, on, the, on a few other podcasts. People tend to, I don't know, give you shit for making healthier choices, even though you enjoy them. And it's not, it's not a task. You know what I mean? Like to me, training is, it's fun and it's good, even though. When it's painful, it's still fun and entertaining and good. Yeah. So I will train on Christmas Day if I could. But gyms are open then, so I can't. No. Well, get home, Jim. Yeah, it's expensive, that is. Yeah, it is. Um, so I guess like the rest of my... I'll try and be probably back to normal um, through... Well, no, Boxing Day will be relatively... Like Boxing Day... I thought it'd be different this year actually boxing I tend to go to the pub with the father-in-law and have a few pints or a couple of pints which is probably the one time you actually drink um, and even like you know you what pints of what pints usually Guinness and Blackcurrant don't know why it's become a Christmas Eve uh, sorry a Boxing Day um, tradition so um, so yeah but that's usually only a couple and obviously like food wise will be relatively relaxed but not like christmas day and then i'll probably go back to bau pretty much uh might even go to kind of track in and just keep into my usual calorie intake for that week um and a bit like you won't be doing much on new year's day or um new year's eve so unlikely my my intake will will, will change much than usual maybe a, maybe i'll give myself a little bit more of a relaxed dance and over consume a little bit more if it, if the moment 
is right, but it'll be again in a mindful way. And and I, I mean, basically that entire week, I'll put it down as that. Whatever I want to do, I'll do. I won't worry too much about it. And on the basis of I know that it's really going to make no difference to my progress in the longer term. I appreciate, and this is why I kind of want to give the context of where my current situation of, of massing is. It is a bit easier in, my, in that position when you're not looking to diet or you're not worried about losing weight. It's easier to be that relaxed because you can essentially accommodate or cope with it a lot easier. But yeah. Sorry to interrupt this episode, but we just wanted to let you know that we're currently accepting applications to work with any of our coaches to help you lose weight and get shredded or build muscle and get jacked. If you want to know more, just head over to nnncoaching.com forward slash apply. No contract lengths, just evidence-based coaching to make sure you get the results you've always been after. So how many calories do we do normally now? Or normally? Um, to a probably range most days between two and a half 2,700 and then I have one higher day about 3,000 plus 2,100 um, the higher days m- m- mainly because I have one day where I do kind of a bit of endurance exercise so I end up going for like some uh, a 10k run or something so for those, those days um, I found that when I was dieting earlier on this year I couldn't maintain my performance or even enjoy the, the cardio um at like such low low energy intakes so i used to then basically load on those days to account for it and then when obviously i transitioned out of a dieting phase i still kept on doing the cardio because i wanted to for the health benefits and i enjoyed it uh, so I, the same way i didn't want to detriment my kind of massing phase so i made sure that i compensated almost by increasing my energy intake on those days to, to account for the extra calorie burn that i i probably wouldn't necessarily get i mean i could have done it differently in that i could have just increased my calorie intakes average across the week and probably got the same outcome because obviously I had less of an issue then worrying about being in a deficit on those days because I could recover better and not be so uh, or, or find the running so much of a struggle on on that specific day so so I guess my average across the week is probably averages out about 2700 2800 although like I've kind of getting to a point where my weight has been static um, across probably the month now so I because of my slow approach and the fact that I don't want to push things and rate again too fast i've been quite slow in making any adjustments but i have been thinking to myself for a week or so now that i probably need to increase my calorie intakes but i've kind of held off one because christmas is coming up um so i'm being a bit more cautious and two i'm just being cautious generally because of my i want to keep my rate of gate like rate again as slow as possible that makes sense because <laughs> you think when you think about the evidence-based guidelines in terms of rates of gain right you're looking at between a quarter and a half a percent um per month so if you weigh 200 pounds which i don't you know that is between what's that half a pound and a pound a month gain if my mass is right you're being really optimistic as well neil versus 12 pounds a year yeah that's the same so that and that is such that like people i think people realize that that evidence-based gaining rate is actually really fucking slow you know most people go oh, i'll go a pound a week it's like, yeah, but then that's that's four pounds a month. That is like two percent gain rate of for someone that weighs two hundred pounds. You are, you know, you're always going to gain more weight in the first couple of weeks, but you what you can't, you shouldn't sustain a pound a week gain unless you're a newbie, and even then that's probably a bit much. Or you're a newbie and on gear, and then on the week for the first year, mm-hmm. probably get away with it. You probably get if your genetics allow for it. Well, you probably get a fair wedge, but. If you've been training five years, you won't gain twelve on either. 
Yeah. Well, you, my context, if you look at my context in Amina, so I stopped my diet the second week in August. Um, so we now best part of four months, nearly. I, I stopped my diet 165 pounds, like relatively lean, probably around the absolute pure guess, 10% mark. Obviously it's pure guess, don't know, but um, reasonably lean, Not qu- probably not quite photo shoot lean, but not far off. Um, I now weigh a whole 169 pounds. And obviously bear in mind, obviously the, like you, like you, you intimated or inferred a minute ago around, you're going to see some initial weight gain because of carbohydrate intakes and all those types of stuff coming out of a deficit. It's a pretty slow rate, really. It has been pretty slow. I mean, I, I was up to the 172 at one point and then it just went down again. And obviously, hence the idea of like, I've kind of probably should have pushed my, my, my calories up at some point, but I haven't because I was going to say, just trying to be cautious around that entire rate. So... <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? And that's, that is the reality of the situation that people get. Oh, yeah, I, I hear it from women quite a lot, surprisingly. Like, I've had people say in groups and things, oh, yeah, I've gained, or someone's answered, oh, I've gained whatever this week, oh, I've gained four pounds. You know, they haven't changed much. It's probably like menstrual cycle, whatever, isn't it? And I've gone, some people have gone, oh, yeah, but it's probably muscle in my gut. No, there's probably zero, but well, I say zero, but you know, point zero 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 something pound of muscle. It's hardly even, well, it's irrelevant. And it's like, a lot of people think like, and it's just nowhere near. You as a woman who's been training years, you probably won't gain four pound a year, let alone in a week of muscle. And even a four pound a year is probably pretty decent if you've been training a long time and you're in a decent shape anyway. That's the thing that people think muscle gain is easy and it, and it really isn't, unless, of course, you're genetically gifted and then but you know that within six months or before but it is as a natural that's why obviously a lot of people go on well men mainly because men we are more egotistical than women in terms of training and size and strength and now you look blah 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 we use you know, formulas and drugs because it just changes the game totally mm-hmm. but for naturals four pound a year three pound a year if you're getting three pound a year consistently over over 10 years when you started training to what you know that's 30 pounds well if, if you could if you yeah if you could do it over 20 years career almost of lifting so the age of 20 to 40 say and you started at 140 you know that's mm. you'd be in you didn't you'd have been 200 pounds of pure muscle yeah you think of the best which isn't gonna happen but no the best the best the very best pro national bodybuilders in the world are what 200 pound maybe 210 but the very best professional uh, Pros, non-natural, are 290, 300 on stage. You're talking a hundred pound difference. Yeah, I it's don't. Different whom? It's not even a human. It's a different species. Well, it is it drugs? But I'd say even even naturals like I don't know. I, I saw something from um, Alberto Nunez recently, actually, where he posted something like he's he's one ninety at the moment or something. And I guess he is reasonably short. I don't think he's particularly tall, like mid fives. You what? Five nine. No, mm, I don't even think he's that tall. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's five nine. But I, I thought he was like five seven, five six. I don't know. But maybe he's five nine. Whatever. Um, so I guess it's obviously it's a reasonable weight, and he's quite you know he's quite lean at the moment, but not like obviously he isn't dieting for a show or anything. Um, and he's talking about getting up to two hundred pounds or pushing up to two hundred pounds. You think to yourself, well, obviously he's considered you know like a pro level at the mo- moment, and obviously one of the guys you look to as 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 obviously holding a good amount of mass. It kind of shows you really where 
the, the kind of the rates of of muscle. I mean, but obviously, if he got if he went to a show, he'd be all like um, also one of the, the one of Steve Hall's mates, IFBB Pro World Champion, I think, or he certainly went to Worlds, whether he won or not, I can't remember. Brett Freeman, um, I think they said he stepped on stage at one hundred and forty five pounds, ten stone. Yeah, and he went he he went and either competed or won a world bodybuilding show. So obviously, you've got to win your locals, nationals, and then worlds. £145. Don't get me wrong. I don't think there's any body fat on him. He looked fucking ridiculously shredded. But... I think that's the... I think that's what... Especially when you... If you follow the wrong people on... Like YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, they give you that false... Yeah, that's a false dawn of... Yeah, you can be 220, 230... Ripped and natural you can't it's not I don't think it's humanly possible to be that unless you're like 6 foot 10 or something like that because yeah. you, you yeah. all, all the, the best natural bodybuilders in the world the pros have been training 20 years not many are over 200 stage ready we talking stage ready so obviously you know, if they were 10% they would probably be like 220 or something but that's when you realise yeah if you were 190 pound with abs you're doing really well if you're natural, and that's a, that's a that's a big that's a big individual to be yeah. that size with abs. Yeah. Well, I'm well, I'm six foot, and I you know at at one six five, I would say I'm ten percent body fat ish, like roughly. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm basing that on, really, other than just pure guess. But obviously, I've got reasonable abs, which then you know we've talked about actually my kind of ab definition is quite. Or, or my body fat distribution and my my kind of ab development is reasonably positive, but from the back is the opposite. Like I hold a lot of body fat around my hip, my kind of hips, love handles, and my butt. So <clears throat> I might be I might be ten percent from the front, but fifteen from the back almost. Um, at one six five, so I could probably say I would probably need to lose twenty or thirty pounds to get anywhere near like bodybuilding. Or, or bodybuilder competition type condition, so I might have like one thirty five. Yeah, I might I might step on stage like one thirty five or something. And I'm six foot, you know, I'm pretty tall. So, because there's a big difference between ten percent body fat and three. Yeah, maybe, maybe thirty pounds. Like actually, I'd like to think I didn't have an actual thirty pounds to lose. Actually, in hindsight, that's quite a lot. Um, but especially not six foot. But yeah. The, the, yeah. point, the point is still the same. Like, I'd, I'd easily add another 10, 15, I reckon. Yeah. It comes, I think, of people who've got more to lose than they think. Because I think when people look at people who are photoshoot ready and stage where they're looking at that, oh, I want to be that. And it's like, yeah, okay, but you're like £250 now and you're 20% body fat. You're going to need to lose £80 mm. to be stage ready. I mean, to look good, maybe you're going to lose £50 or something or whatever. There is a considerable difference between good on the beach abs, which is what I would personally eat. That's fine for me. And then being shredded to the bone is a big difference. That's a lot of... Lot of Sorry, my phone's just decided to start playing itself. That's interesting. <laughs> I thought you liked guess the intro. Anyway, we're probably at time, mate. I'll be honest, it's quite late. So, um... I've enjoyed this. Enjoyed. Hopefully, people uh, enjoyed us talking about our own approaches and how. I suppose, like for me, the takeaway I got is actually how relaxed 
um, we are. Me more in relaxed and how much I eat. You more in relaxed how you don't give a shit about Christmas and celebrating it that much. Like I'm happy. I, I like just being, you know, around your family and stuff and having a bit of food. It's like, don't you know? It could be any day. If they're all year, it doesn't really matter what day it is, is it? No, I think I think like for you, that's or what I would say is like yours is a really good scenario in that you're really not linking this idea that you have to be happy and celebrate food mm. as the main thing. So it doesn't revolve around the food. Food's just something that enhances the day, like the actual days around your family and celebrating and, you know, the festivities. Not necessarily, like a lot of people, they will see Christmas Day as the, the best thing about Christmas Day and what it's all about is eating all the food. And that's not. That's supposed to be an addition, not the actual sole focus. Yeah, I know people who will spend six hours in a Christmas Day at a pub. I'm like, sad. Made sort of fucking head out. Men, but men, Jane, generally, they you know, I have, I would have bugged my father because he likes to go out, and I, I never go to the pub because I don't drink. So I go down there, <coughs> and I don't like it. I ate it in the pub on Christmas Day. But there's people there who've been there, who've been there for hours, and thinking, I think if you've got family, you need to reevaluate what you're doing. But you know, yeah. I'm I'm going to play us out with some more Danny Elfman as Jack. I thought it was quite good. No? Are we going to have a what? The podcast released before Christmas Day. Yes. Yes, of course we are. All right, time to say to Lou. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.